It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, and that's all today. Scott is still on his honeymoon. He will be back as soon as possible. Hopefully next week we'll get him back on the podcast because there's a lot of stuff here that he needs to uh, get his takes on. Obviously, the news over the weekend, we'll get to that. Talk some Michigan State recruiting, uh, just kind of some general stuff to go over there, and then Kind of a fun topic, I think, that came up on Twitter that we will make sure we get to as well, Uh, referring to basically how many layers deep would we have to go in order to win a national championship over the last few years with Michigan State football. So we'll get to all of that. We'll have some fun here today. It's it's actually 4th of July as I'm recording this. It is Monday. july the 4th and so happy 4th of july to everybody who's listening which is um listening the day after the 4th of july but happy happy 4th of july hopefully everybody enjoyed had some good barbecue burgers brats whatever you were eating and uh, some good beers there as well the the news of the weekend here we'll start there because that's that's the biggest thing that i i'm here to make sure i talk about is USC, UCLA, joining the Big Ten. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this, some good, some bad. I think what we ultimately have to do is you have to break this up into two buckets. First bucket is in the grand scheme of college football, what does this mean? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Second group being knowing what we know about the grand scheme of college football, this move in a vacuum, do you like it or not like it? So one is kind of taking the 10,000-foot view and saying, all right, what does this mean? What are we doing here? Um, And then the other being, you know, a bit more focused on the specifics of the move. And one side of this I like, the other I don't. So we'll start with the 10,000-foot view. What this means to me is that college football as I knew it growing up and college football as probably most of you knew it growing up, that's dead. That's gone. Um, and and to be frank, it's never coming back. So if, if you're over the age of 18, 
I would say. I mean, if if you're 18 years old right now, that means eight years ago, what's that, 2014, you were about 10 years old. And I mean, just anecdotally, I feel like that's kind of the age you you really start remembering all of the, the sports stuff going on around you. For me, I was born in 94, and I have a very clear memory of the 2004 Pistons title run. Uh, but stuff before that, I, I mean, the Michigan State National Championship in basketball, like I remember the day that it happened, but I don't really remember any particulars. I don't remember how I felt about um, Mateen Cleaves and, you know, the 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 difference between him and Maurice Peterson. Like I... I just kind of remember the day a little bit because it was a big deal around my house. But I I, I would say 10 years old, you kind of start really remembering sports. And so for someone who's 18 right now, 10 years ago was the first college football playoff in 2014. And if you were growing up in, I guess, the playoff era, this whole national approach to college football is really all you know and so you you don't really know a different world um and and maybe this is just par for the course for you maybe this is just a continuation of everything that you know about college football but if you're over the age of 18 you remember college football as a very regional sport uh you remember the big 10 before Nebraska and Maryland and Rutgers showed up and you remember a, a world where it was a huge deal to go to a Rose Bowl and the national title was was a big deal um you know I grew up in the B- BCS era for the most part and obviously going to the BCS national championship was a big deal but it wasn't everything and, and that that's not just speaking from a Michigan State fan I, I knew Michigan fans all over um, you know, growing up in Southeast Michigan, I I knew a lot of Michigan fans and families who who really couldn't have cared less about going to a BCS national championship game, and that's not because of any philosophical things about where they believed their program was. It was just at that time getting to the Rose Bowl and winning the Big Ten. That was that was the goal. That was it. And anything else, great. But it it was just a different era, and. You know, I guess over the last 10 years, eight years, whatever it is, it's been slowly deteriorating with the college football playoff and with the quote unquote meaningless bowl games and now, you know, conference realignment and everything just kind of blends together into this whole destruction of what we knew college football to be. And and right now, I'm not even saying that it's good or bad. But I, I think it's pretty hard to argue anything else, that that the regional sport of college football is dead and gone. And especially now that you have two Los Angeles teams playing in the Big Ten. I mean, imagine telling somebody 15 years ago that USC would be traveling up to Piscataway, New Jersey for a Big Ten conference game. I mean, at the time, Rutgers was in the Big East. USC, obviously, a power in the Pac-10. Imagine telling somebody that UCLA would be headed to Lincoln, Nebraska for a Big Ten conference game. It's it's a different world we're living in, and 
to be frank, I don't I don't particularly like it. I think the further along this goes, the more sterile it kind of gets. We're we've effectively gotten to a point where the key decision makers in college football are TV executives. And that's just never the place you want to be. I, will USC coming to East Lansing be awesome? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be watching. I'm gonna I'm gonna love that USC is playing a game in East Lansing. But a conference game? I does this really need to be the way that we do this? I I don't. <sighs> I understand it from a dollars and cents perspective, but that that doesn't mean I have to like it. It still feels weird to me that Maryland is in the Big Ten. It still feels weird that Rutgers is in the Big Ten. We're talking about USC and UCLA and, and these Southern Cal teams and fan bases. And just imagining a USC team and fan base traveling to Happy Valley for a football game just the opposition of culture and weather and everything it just doesn't feel right and I don't maybe that's grumpy old man yelling at the clouds but I I just don't I don't like where this is headed it's all heading towards a sterile professional environment and the the college football that I grew up loving is a quirky weird awesome sport it's a sport that there are over a hundred teams that are all completely different looking at utah versus usc versus kansas state versus ul monroe versus alabama versus rutgers versus boston college versus michigan it's all totally different cultures and traditions and fan bases and uniforms. And I just feel like the further along this goes, the more we're getting away from that. You know, I I love the college football quirkiness. I love that we have bowl games. I love that the goals of fan bases in Manhattan, Kansas for, you know, the Kansas State and the goals of the fans in Athens, Georgia are totally different. I love that some teams are competing for a national title, some teams are competing for a a conference title, and some teams are competing for a bowl game. I love that. It's weird. It's quirky. It's different. And it's just we're heading to this NFL-style two super conferences, a la the AFC and the NFC. They'll find a way to split it down into some kind of divisions and or pods, as they're liking to call it now, because they don't want you to um, associate it with the NFL game. And people are out there saying, you know, well, you know, people are complaining about going to the NFL model, but people love the NFL. Like, yeah, I, I do love the NFL, but for different reasons. I love the NFL because... It's, it's the sport that I love played at the highest level. And its built-in parody allows every fan base to believe that their team should compete for a Super Bowl in the next three years. College football is not like that. There, there's teams all over the country with different resources, with different recruiting grounds, with different goals, different aspirations, different offenses, different defenses. Like, 
one of the awesome things about college football that probably isn't really going away, but now I'm ranting and I, I'm just kind of getting off topic here, is like you have teams like Army who know their deficiencies and know that they're never really going to be able to do anything about their deficiencies. So they're going to run a triple option and and say, you know what, like what we lack in skill position talent or 350 pound, you know, space eating guys, we're going to make up for by perfect execution in an offense that teams can't prepare for. And then diametrically opposed, you have teams like 2014 Baylor, who we played in the Cotton Bowl, where they, they have five wide receivers. They're lined up a foot away from the sideline. They're so wide out on the boundary. It's everything is so different. And that's there's there's a beauty in that that I feel like we're we're starting to lose. We're not, we're not going to lose it entirely and I'm always going to love college football no matter what it turns into, but um it's just we're we're heading down a slippery slope and and I don't really like that aspect of it. So from the 10,000 foot view, I I don't like this move. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, we we go into bucket number two, which is just looking at this very specific move in the vacuum of, you know, what's happening in college football right now. And that's a different story. There I like the move because the Big Ten, you have to look around and state the obvious. This thing is, is heading in a certain direction. And Texas and Oklahoma are getting gobbled up by the SEC And the SEC is trying to pull away from the rest of college football in terms of program strength and and NFL talent and national championships. And the Big Ten has decided we're going to be the one conference who steps up. We're going to be the one conference who tries to stop the bully on the block. And how do we do that? Well, you don't do it by sitting around and waiting for the inevitable to happen and then just kind of scooping up Kansas and Colorado because they're the only ones left. You do it by going out and making a power move and that's getting USC and UCLA is part of the package. They're a decent program. They're, they're not really going to add to your profile, but USC is one of the few remaining college football programs who have that kind of cachet that really boost the the prestige of your conference and so going out getting usc it's a power move and in the grand scheme of everything happening in college football it was the power move that had to be done and so from that aspect i give the big 10 a lot of credit for for going out and doing what needed to be done now where does this lead is is notre dame on the way is oregon on the way is washington on the way I think the next move you're going to see is is not going to be for a little while. I think they're, the powers that be, mostly Notre Dame, uh, are going to kind of sit and assess what's going on here, have their conversations with their television partners, because, again, that's we all know who's really running this thing, and, you know, figure out a battle plan. And I think for the Big Ten, the next step, the next obvious step here is going out and getting Stanford and getting Oregon and basically forcing Notre Dame's hand and saying, 
look, you, you have this independent status that you love because it allows you to play certain rivalries year in and year out without any restrictions. Well, your rivals are USC, who are now in our conference, who are Stanford, who are now in our conference, are Purdue, who are in our conference, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, like all of your rivals are in our conference now. So it's up to you. You know, we if if I'm the Big Ten, I'm I'm pushing power plays and I'm saying, hey, um, Notre Dame, sorry, you're not playing these teams anymore until you join, right? Like we're, we're restricting Notre Dame from the uh, from the non-conference for these teams unless you join the conference. Now, how realistic is that? Obviously, very, you know, it's not very, but you get what I'm going at here. You have to force Notre Dame to join the Big Ten because they're not going to willingly. And I think everybody who is saying Notre Dame has to join a conference is out of their mind. You know how much money they make being independent? I'm sure they'd make a little bit more at this point with the, the TV numbers that are getting thrown around for the Big Ten. Um, I'm sure they'd make a little more, but they're doing just fine on their own. I promise you that. And they love that status. Oh, that Notre Dame ego loves that independent status. So you're going to have to pry them out of it. They're not just, they're not going to call you. You have to call them and and you got to start laying down some, some power plays here if you want to get Notre Dame. And I think getting Stanford is, is the first part of that. So if I'm the big 10 at this point, Go get Stanford, go get Oregon, go get Notre Dame. Leaves open one more spot, whether that's Washington or Pitt or Miami, you know, whoever else is in there, I, I don't particularly care. Get Stanford because that's the ticket to Notre Dame, in my opinion. And go get Oregon because I think that's the most prominent um, program brand really available out there right now. And, uh, and that's going to be your ticket to get Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden you're looking at a conference with Ohio State, USC, Penn State, Oregon, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Michigan. You're looking at a conference with, with, Washington, or with uh, Wisconsin and Iowa just loaded with really, really quality programs. And all of a sudden, that gap between the Big Ten and the SEC, which is already not as big as, as people believe it to be, all of a sudden, that gap is pretty darn small. And when when Nick Saban retires from Alabama, which is going to happen eventually, um, suddenly the Big Ten versus the SEC seems like a fair fight. And so, again, do I like where this is headed? No. But that what's the the old saying right the toothpaste is out of the tube you're not putting that toothpaste back in the tube so at this point you might as well use it you know you might as well brush your teeth that's a terrible analogy but you get the point um the the bridge has already been crossed you know and and so you might as well make the power play and, and keep this thing going i guess what does this mean for michigan state um i guess on one hand, like we've talked about this before, if you remember when the the European soccer teams were talking about the Super League, right? And it was Manchester United and Liverpool and Real Madrid and, you know, PSG and whoever else. And it was, you know, all of the big boys are going to go form their own league because, they, you know, they don't get enough competition or enough enough TV money or whatever in their other leagues, 
And so all the writers in the U.S. didn't have much else to write about. So they said, well, what if, um, what if this happened in college football? And, and I remember Scott and I coming on the podcast and saying, look, Michigan State's safe, right? We're in the Big Ten. We have plenty of money. We have deep pockets. We, we have program recognizability. That's, is that a word? Brand recognition. I think that's what we're going for. Um, we've always said Michigan State's safe. And I guess on on some level, this is just this just reaffirms that, right? That you know, Michigan State as part of the Big Ten is safe, and whatever happens over the next decade of college football and more realignment and super conferences, Michigan State's going to be just fine. So, on that sense, I think how does it affect us? Um, not really, but just in the sense that for us, it's kind of business as usual. We're we're in the second toughest conference in America. We're a prominent brand in said conference, no matter how many other, um, when USC and Notre Dame and Oregon, you add all those schools, it doesn't matter. Michigan state is still among those premier brands in the big 10 and we're not going anywhere. So, so on that sense, it's kind of a nice feeling, I guess. Um, it does make Michigan state's path to a big 10 championship a little bit more difficult, uh, number one, because USC is USC is a good football program with the potential to be an elite football program, and when they do get that thing rolling, it's it's a matter of when, not really if. Um, that's just another really strong program standing in the way. But also, this basically really puts into focus the elimination of divisions and that in itself is also going to make it more difficult because i mean just math mathematically speaking you're now competing for two spots among 16 teams rather than one spot among seven teams right mathematically we're already talking about something that's more difficult but the Big Ten East has always been the second toughest division in college football behind the SEC West. You have to battle Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State every single year. But we've shown the ability to do that. And and I'm not saying that we won't do it again. I, I firmly believe that we will do it again. But now all of a sudden you're adding Wisconsin and Iowa and USC to the teams that you have to battle to get a spot. in the it Just to, to get a spot in the championship game, right? So for Michigan State, I mean, it's, I guess, a reaffirmation that we are among those premier brands in college football. And it also makes it a little bit more difficult to win the Big Ten in the future. But, uh, you know, again, I think we have the resources and everything to get that done. You know, not every year, but um, similar to how we have been doing it the last few years. So. I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts. It's an interesting move. It's kind of fun looking at all the memes, and it was a big day on Twitter. I was I saw an article in the L.A. Times that they were talking about like the travel miles, and you know UCLA. I I have it up here. So the farthest school in the Pac-12 from UCLA is Washington. So the the current farthest road trip UCLA could take. For a conference game is Washington, 1,132 miles, just under a three-hour flight. You're still in the two-hour zone. The <laughs> the closest game in the Big Ten is going to be Nebraska at 1,500 miles. And 
close to a five-hour flight. So you're looking at the closest school to UCLA from the Big Ten is almost 500 miles further than the furthest school in the Pac-12. And then you're looking at a 2,800-mile trip from UCLA to Rutgers. I'm really curious how they do this scheduling. Um, I'm, I'm dying to see UCLA and USC fans more than the players. You know, the players can adapt. The players will be fine. They're running around. They're, you know, doing their thing. I would love to see the fans heading to Madison, Wisconsin in November, heading to Minneapolis in November, heading to Happy Valley, East Lansing, you name it in November. That that's going to be a treat. I, I, I want to be there the first tailgate in November that USC or UCLA comes to East Lansing in November and gets that cold wind, you know, blown in their face. I, I just, I'm dying to see that, but I don't know, man. Crazy times. We'll see where this Kurt turns. And, and I'm curious to see Scott's view on this as well. Obviously, he's been on his honeymoon. So, you know, he hasn't really been involved in the group chat and stuff uh, as much as he normally is. So I I have a, a good idea of what his take is on this, but I honestly am not really sure. So whenever Scott gets back next week on the pod, uh, we'll get Scott's take on this as well. We'll talk about it a little more, go back and forth on it. But I wanted to get my... Uh, my takes out there, and since we're already 25 minutes in here, I think it's a good time to remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook is the best sportsbook on the planet. Uh, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free, bre- risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, You'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Um, There is uh, the Open Championship, I believe, is coming up here in the next couple uh, of weekends. Um, Cameron Smith is a nice little underdog there, if you like it. Uh, Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash cash whenever you want download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code TPPN for the pigskin podcast network of which are a proud member make your first deposit get a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars that's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details um Recruiting world, Michigan State. We'll we'll hit on it pretty quick. No no commitments. Um, none of our real targets have committed elsewhere. But a lot of crystal balls heading elsewhere. This is kind of what we were talking about, right? Jaden Wayne. He's getting crystal balls over to Miami. Um, you had Braxton obviously heading over to uh, Arkansas. He he is decommitted from Michigan State. It's it's a lot of what we've been talking about, right? You've got to start landing these guys number one, but Michigan State's in a good spot with a lot of these guys as well. Um, David Hicks tweeted out his top seven. He's top five recruit in the class. Michigan State is on there along with the other schools that you would expect to be in a top seven for a a top five overall recruit with Alabama, A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, and Miami. Um, We'll see what happens. I, I think there are a lot of dominoes to fall in this class. And, you know, you read the message boards and 
a lot of people are pretty optimistic. A lot of people are starting to uh, get a little bit worried. I'm somewhere in, in between. Again, I, I want to see it before I get too excited. Um, I, I think to a certain extent, Mel Tucker has already proven everything that he needs to from a recruiting perspective. But, you know, when, when you're going after top 100 players, it's a really difficult game. So until we actually land some of those top 100 players i'll always be a little bit skeptical just because i'm a lifelong michigan state fan it's just a a waters that we haven't really dove into too often in in my lifetime but we'll see how it all plays out um fun topic here uh i'm gonna try i'm i'm on twitter right now i was trying to find it i i had liked it because it was a throwaway tweet by somebody and it, it just got the the ideas flowing and is basically looking at how could you divvy up a Michigan State football team over the last decade, let's call it, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood to win a national title. And we'll just use 2021 as the example where the the final four was Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati. So how do you build a Michigan State team that could stack up with those teams, right? Michigan State is one of the few programs in all of college football that has made a college football playoff. But we all know how that ended. And I think a lot of people just assume you know, Michigan State just doesn't have the talent to compete with those teams. Well, on in any given season, on any given one Michigan State team, they're, they're probably right. Uh, up to this point, they're, they're almost definitely right. But how much tinkering would we have to do to, to get a real title contender? And so we'll, we'll talk about that here. So the the tweet i'm trying to find this but my my internet's cutting in and out the the tweet was saying that and forgive me i'll i'll give credit to it when i find it the tweet was that if you combined the 2013 michigan state defense with the 2021 michigan state offense you would win a national title so first of all, whether you're in your car, in your office, walking around the neighborhood, sitting on the patio, I want you to just take a moment to think about that. 2013 Michigan State defense, 2021 Michigan State offense. Combine those two. Do you have a national champion? I don't think you do, and, and there's a couple reasons. Um, and it's, to be honest, it's all on the offensive side of the ball. I think the 2021 Michigan State offense was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. Uh, but, look, that offensive line got exposed a couple times. And when you're going up against Alabama and Georgia, that offensive line's not holding up. I, I'm sorry, that offensive line is not holding up. And on top of that, oh, here we go. Actually, I got it. So this is at Swifty Sparty. Enjoyer of Mel is the tag. So if you're listening, 
Uh, shout out Swifty Sparty. I'll, I'll hopefully remember to put this in the uh, description as well. He said MSU 2013 defense plus 2021 offense would be the easiest natty of all time. I'm sure there was some sarcasm in there, but again, it was just something that I was thinking about. Um, I, I, I just don't think that's the case. I, I don't think the 2021 offense was good enough to, to compete at that level. Now, let's start with the defensive side of the ball. 2013 defense, that's a national championship contending defense, right? You have an offense or a, a defensive line that had a couple NFL guys headlined by Shalik Calhoun, who's still playing in the league. Um, and then you had a, a bunch of like really good college players that I do think could compete in those type of games, right? Marcus Rush, Tyler Hoover, um, Denzel Drone. You you had you had some dudes uh, on that defensive line, and then obviously the secondary. You're looking at two first round corners who match up against anybody in the in the college game at wide receiver with Darquez Denard, Trey Waynes. You put those guys on islands against anybody, I feel comfortable. Now are they gonna absolutely shut down Jamison Williams or, you know, uh George Pickens on, on Georgia? They'll get a couple catches. They'll get a couple wins. But I, I like my chances with those guys on the outside. Curtis Drummond, um Isaiah Lewis at safety. Again, I that defensive backfield I feel very confident putting against anybody. And then you add a guy like Danico Salen, um, just an unbelievable college football player. You add a Max Bulla, who who stuck around in the league for a few years, but is that kind of classic college middle linebacker who, you know, Clemson had James Skalski when they were winning national titles. Like, you know, it, you don't have to have a, an uber athlete at every position on defense. Sometimes you just need that guy that plays hard-nosed, tough in the run game, sets everything up, and, and and when you have a good defensive line in front of them, you can get that done. I mean, the the stats on the 2013 defense were just ridiculous. They allowed 13 points a game. Um, that group can go out there and get it done against anybody, right? They, they had more interceptions per game than touchdowns allowed per game. They had 86 rushing yards, less than three yards a carry allowed. It was just, they averaged less than five first downs against them running. It it was unbelievable, some of the stuff that, two turnovers a game. Um, that defense, you don't need to do anything with it. Just put the 2013 defense out there, let them roll. Now, the offense. So, as I mentioned, the 2021 offense, that's not enough for me. I, I think the offensive line is going to get exposed, and I love Peyton Thorne. But in his first year starting in that kind of environment, I just I, I don't feel super confident. Um, and if I have the ability to sub him out for a Connor Cook or a Kirk Cousins, I'm going to do it. So what would remain from 2021? The question is, could you just say the 2021 skill players? Kenneth Walker... Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Montori Foster, um, any combination of those guys. Could you could you feel comfortable in the 2021 skill group as a whole? 
I think we need one more dude at receiver. Again, we're talking about competing against Georgia and Alabama. And Jaden Reed can do that. Jaden Reed is that good of a player. He's an NFL guy. Kenneth Walker obviously can do that. He's an NFL guy. I think you need one more. I really do. And so I'm going to substitute out our second receiver for Aaron Burbridge, who I think was the most dynamic of that. We had that run there, right, of of like one-year wonder-wide receivers, whether it was Tony Lippett or Aaron Burbridge or B.J. Cunningham, who was more of a, a four-year accumulation guy, but they all had like one monster year, and I think Burbridge was the most dynamic of them. So I think you pair Jaden Reed and Aaron Burbridge on the outside, and I think you get two really fun dynamic players with Kenneth Walker in the backfield and and let's keep Trey Mosley in there that's fine so the 2021 skill group plus Aaron Burbridge quarterback as I mentioned I love Peyton Thorne I I just don't think at this stage of his career that he would be ready for that moment I'm going to take Kirk Cousins just the guy that at this point has proven in the NFL, we all know that he has a great arm. We all know that he's a great leader. And at this point, he's been starting in the NFL for close to a decade now, um, maybe over a decade now. Um, we've seen all we need to see. You have an NFL quarterback, a, a real proven, bona fide NFL quarterback. So you've got Kirk Cousins plus the 2021 skill group plus Aaron Burbridge. And I'll just take the entire 2014 offensive line. Um, I think that group was as, as good as it gets from a Michigan State perspective. You're looking at, obviously, Jack Conklin, top 10 NFL draft pick. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else needs to be said. You, you put him on the field against damn near anybody, and you feel pretty good about the matchup. I, I I don't care about what pass rushers that you're throwing at him, right? And and that's part of the problem when you're playing against an Alabama or a Georgia any given year is, man, you look at those pass rushers and you're like, you know, Kirk Cousins, when we played Alabama in that uh, was the Capital One Bowl that I, I was down in Florida for, you're like Kirk Cousins didn't stand a chance because he didn't he didn't have a more than a half a second to throw the ball, um, so you you have that element, you have Jack Conklin and a guy who can get that done on the blind side, uh, Travis Jackson, the Allen brothers, Jack Allen and Brian Allen, Brian Allen still starting in the NFL for a Super Bowl winning team last year for the LA Rams. Um, Donovan Clark, he he could hold his own at right tackle. I you know again against an Alabama or a Georgia. I don't know how confident I feel in Donovan Clark, but I think he could at least you know get a passable grade there. Um, I I think the 2014 offensive line would get the job done pretty well. So so there it is. 2013 defense as a whole. Throw them out there, and then on offense, I'm going to take Kirk Cousins. I'm going to take the 2021 skill group. So you've got Kenneth Walker, you've got Jaden Reed, uh, you've got Trey Mosley, Montori Foster. Plus, we'll throw in Aaron Burbridge to add one more really dynamic player. And then I'll take the 2014 offensive line. And I think that gets it done. I really do. I think you've got NFL talent littered throughout the roster at pretty much every level, right? Quarterback, offensive line, running back, wide receiver. 
uh, defensive line, defensive backs. You've got NFL talent at the most important positions on the field. You've got experienced players. You've got um, you've got some speed. You've got some power. I really do think that that team could could win a national title. And all of that to say, man, it's really hard to win a national title. <laughs> I really hope Mel Tucker gets this program to a point where it's a realistic possibility. But we're basically putting together a decade-long all-star team and, and still kind of wondering, like, is that offensive line really good enough to block that Georgia front seven? You know, is, is, that, is that defensive line really good enough to stop a Georgia run game? You know, it's, it's like you have to go through so many layers to get to a point that maybe we could win a national title. It's really hard, folks. It's it's one of the more difficult things to do. And, and as college football keeps going down this road and bowl games don't matter anymore and who cares about the Rose Bowl and players are sitting out bowl games and suddenly the only thing that will matter is the national championship, unfortunately, which I hate. I hate that so much because, you know, people draw comparisons again to the NFL where everything is the Super Bowl. Well, that's because the NFL has a salary cap and the NFL has a draft and the NFL has measures in place so that every team has pretty much equal resources and equal ability to get there. And, and college football is not that. If you're Kansas State, you're never going to win a national title, right? And that's why we have these bowl games. That's why we have conference titles. And, and that's why they've always meant so much. And the further along this path we go, the further it gets closer to national title or bust and this is just one of those um anecdotes i guess that just shows how difficult it is to win a national title so hey hopefully we get there hopefully it was a fun exercise I, i'm curious you guys can tweet me you know post in the facebook group um how many layers deep do we need to go how much how much tinkering do we need to do in order to build a, a Michigan State national title team over the last few years. Obviously you go far enough in the history books, you're gonna you're gonna get it done pretty easily, but you know, within the last decade or so, do you think we could build an all-star team that would truly compete for a national title and, and how much tinkering do we have to do? You know, we took the entire twenty thirteen defense. Sure, I could swap out a couple guys here and there, but you know, the more tinkering, the more it just proves how difficult this is. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoy, you know, hearing my takes on on this expansion or uh, rejiggering of the um, conference alignment. That's the word that I'm looking for. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know um, where I'm off base, where I'm on. And I, I'm really curious to hear your feedback on this because it's a huge topic and it's only going to continue to get bigger uh, as as it keeps playing out. So, Hopefully you guys enjoyed, and uh, hopefully we'll get Scott back on here soon because my voice gets really sore doing these podcasts by myself. I'm definitely not used to it. Um, even though I, I did it for a while by myself, it's, it's really nice to have Scott there with me to kind of supplement it. Let me get a drink of my coffee or beer or whiskey or whatever I'm drinking uh, at recording. It, it usually just depends what time it is. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much just have to power through without anything to drink when uh, when it's just me. So... Um, 
yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully you enjoyed. And and again, let me know what you think because I am very curious about it and love to hear your interactions. Rate, review, follow, all of that fun stuff. Football season's right around the corner, man. As you're listening to this, it's less than 60 days until Michigan State football, which is like 50 days from college football because there are week zero games. Cannot wait. I am getting very, very, very excited for it. And I know some of you guys are there are too. Talk to you guys soon. Hope you have a great week. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.